0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have the utility musician for Riley Green, Tim Renkin. You're going to hear Tim's story of growing up in New Hampshire and what first got him into music. You'll also hear about his time at Belmont, his time attending law school at the University of Richmond, and Stories from the Road, now touring with Riley Green. I had a great time talking to Tim. I hope you guys enjoy, and we'll see you at the end. Just keep your face and it'll be okay try not to be bitter you gotta do it either way keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay so when life throws a jab you gotta duck out of the way how you doing today tim
1: i'm doing great justin thanks for having me yeah for sure So getting right to your
0: story, where did you grow up and what was your childhood like?
1: So I grew up um, in a small town in New Hampshire, uh, first in a little town called Brookline for about 12 years, and then I moved to Hollis, New Hampshire for six years. Um, Wasn't really a huge move because the the two towns actually share middle schools and high schools. Um, So growing up there, it... uh, Things were a little slow, but it was a great, great place to grow up. Um, Spent a lot of time uh, on sports teams. Music actually wasn't really uh, a big part of my life um, until later Mm -hmm. Uh, around, you know, fifth grade or so is when I first got into music. Um, But it was, uh, you know, just kind of a, a small, quiet, good place to be.
0: For sure. Now, uh, growing up maybe around the house, who were some of the first artists or records you remember consuming that kind of made you feel uh, like a push towards music?
1: So thinking back to like early childhood, the only artists that I really remember um, were like Michael Jackson and Fleetwood Mac. Mm -hmm. Uh, My parents would play a lot of their records. Um, It felt like anytime we were in the car, uh, (laughs) one of those artists was playing um and so those are kind of my earliest um earliest memories of music uh then you know when I got a little bit older fifth or sixth grade I think when when people usually start kind of developing their own uh musical interests apart from um, whatever their parents are listening to got into a lot of metal mm-hmm. um disturbed was actually the uh, the first band that I went and saw in concert, um, <laughs> along with uh, with Killswitch and Gage, and then I got into to Slipknot and some bands like that over time. And when I started my first band, we were we were playing metal, um, so that's that's kind of the the early days of, of music.
0: Now, what was the first instrument you picked up? Then
1: it was the saxophone. Uh, so in fifth grade, my mom signed me up for the uh, the school band. And, you know, up at that point, I, I really had no interest in playing music. Um, wasn't even something I thought about. And I, you know, by the time I, I got to where I could actually make some sound with the instrument, <laughs> instead of just like horrible uh, screeching noises. Yeah. I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I can actually play some songs and uh you know like recognizable stuff like this is all, all right um then the next year i started playing trumpet as well um and kept going through the middle school band um and then in 8th grade is when i picked up the guitar
0: so how do you think uh kind of starting off like on a saxophone or um how do you think that helped uh your guitar playing kind of just like learning like the scales on on another instrument do you think that helped at all definitely
1: i mean wh- when you bring in the guitar there was definitely the uh, the whole new concept of um, you know coordinating the fretboard and and the pick and everything like that. but it, I at least had the background of, like you said, playing a scale um, familiarizing myself with music and I could actually read sheet music, which was incredibly helpful. Yeah. Um, I played guitar in the uh, the jazz band um, in high school. And it was always kind of the uh, the stereotype that the guitar players couldn't read music. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, compared to the horn players, you know, by the time I got to high school, my sight reading abilities were were nothing like theirs. Um, but, I, you know, at least I had that that start with the the saxophone the familiarity with the, the sheet music that I could you know, keep up um, as a guitar player.
0: Now, uh, getting into high school, you said you were in a metal band. Uh, do you remember the name of uh, this band?
1: yes it was called a hurricane low um i don't know what it means (laughs) uh our our vocalist was just like hey this is our name we're like all right sure that works (laughs) and you know if you really dig deep on youtube there are still some some videos of it and uh you know it's i'm just gonna be honest it's 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 not great but i'm glad that those videos (laughs) are are still up there um because it's you know every now and then kind of entertaining to go back and watch and uh, just kind of see where, what the, what the first gigging band was like.
0: Were you guys doing originals or some covers?
1: That band, I believe was entirely originals. Wow. Um, So it was really uh, like a metal core or maybe a a post hardcore would be the right classification for it. I never, I never really know exactly uh, how to, classify uh, metal bands by genre. We um, was heavily inspired by like August Burns Red, um, A Day to Remember, The Devil Wears Prada, uh, those bands that were kind of in that um, I guess 2008, 2010,
0: 11 uh, era. No, did you have anything to like, were you in the writing process at all? Or was your, your like lead singer kind of bringing in the songs and you would all just do your own parts? We would typically i think with the
1: other guitar player would usually just be like hey i got this riff and he would just start playing something um and then we would just fill in the rest of it uh usually you know every song had at least one or two uh breakdowns um you know just chugging the open strings and uh the drummer would just like uh smash the china cymbal and, <laughs> and um it would it would go like that and then the the vocalist would you know, bring in the, the screams and all of that stuff.
0: Heck. Yeah. So take me back to senior <laughs> year of high school. What do you think the plan is uh, coming out? Uh, are you wanting to already go to Nashville to do music? What, what were you thinking the plan was going to be for the next step?
1: Sure. So I, around that time in my life, had a kind of a big shift in what I thought I was going to do. Um, sports had been a really big part of my life growing up. Um, and I was always on basketball and baseball teams, uh, and for a while, I thought I was going to try to go to college and play baseball. And around you know junior, senior year of high school, um, I had gotten into playing country, um, country guitar. Yeah. And I started thinking that, you know, maybe Nashville was the place to go. And then I discovered that a degree in music business was a, a real thing um, that existed and I don't remember exactly when or, or why uh, I came across that, but I remember just going to a computer and typing in like music business degree and Belmont University is what came up first. And I was like, hey, the, I've never heard of this place. It seems kind of cool. It's in Nashville, which seems like a great place to to go to do music. Um, and I just started looking into that and decided that, you know, this this is where I'm going to go. I'm gonna try to go to Belmont and do the music business program.
0: Now, what did those first couple of months look like once you got to town? Uh, I mean, did you automatically like just feel at home like when you moved to Nashville, like surrounded by musicians?
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't say I necessarily felt at home right away. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a just a, a completely different experience than what I was used to. Um, in 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 a really great way because. New Hampshire didn't really have much of a music scene at the time. Um, I'm not sure what it's like now, but we uh yeah, you know, we had that club where we play metal. And then in high school we had a a Mexican restaurant where we had like a little uh, jazz uh quartet um gig. And that was about it. That that was the the music scene that we knew about, and suddenly it was, you know, here in Nashville, there's a venue everywhere, there's musicians everywhere, my uh, floor, um, in my dorm at Belmont as a musician in every room. It was just, it was, it was a cool experience. And it just, at the time for me, so unique to be able to, um, connect with so many different people, um, just through music.
0: Is there anyone you met during your time at Belmont that you are, you still work with now or is kind of doing the same thing you're doing, playing with people on the road? Well, actually, there there was one guy
1: from uh from my floor freshman year um who's out uh playing guitar on tour and, and we run into him quite a bit. Um we've, we've done quite a few shows together. Um it's always great to see him. And there are there are a lot of people um from Belmont who I'm constantly running into. Um not quite as many as I would have expected uh when I first got there, but there are definitely people who are writing in town, um, or producing, uh, in various aspects, other, you know, aspects of the industry. And, uh, at least we have, I have many acquaintances that I still see all the time.
0: Now you have a pretty unique story. You don't hear a lot of musicians doing this. You end up, uh, leaving Belmont to go to, to law school at the university of Richmond. Tell me about like your decision to do that.
1: So right around the time that, that i was finishing up belmont uh, i think it was my senior year i auditioned for a country artist named william michael morgan yeah and i didn't get the gig um but from that audition process i ended up filling in with him a few times um, when they needed a steel player and at the time i was i was still pretty new to pedal steel um mm-hmm. but it gave me a a little bit of a inside look as to what touring was like and i felt like you know this is pretty cool and then after that you know after those fill-in gigs i didn't really get much work for a while and kind of just ended up in like a you know what am i doing kind of uh situation um and to uh basically to to pay the bills um after graduation i I got a you know a regular old desk job, um, and I started uh, working at the Postmates headquarters downtown. Okay. Um, and from there, I just thought you know maybe maybe the music industry isn't exactly what I should be doing, and I started looking into to law school. Um, and then I applied, and in about 2019, I uh, moved up to Richmond to do that.
0: Yeah. And I saw that, uh, in your second year of law school is actually when you, uh, get to gig with Riley, how did, uh, you kind of get in contact with him, especially not even being in Nashville at that time?
1: Yeah. So you know, it all goes back to, um, the gigs you play and the connections that you make along the way. Um, his, uh, band leader at the time, he and I had done a gig together, um, playing for this artist I met at Belmont and, um, you know, it was actually kind of a funny story about how uh, he got on the gig. Um, there was originally another guitar player and it just didn't work out. Um, so we brought Jake in last minute and he showed up. He did an awesome job. Um, it was a good gig. And, you know, him and I stayed in contact. Um, we started playing uh, actually with Riley's bass player as well. Uh, the three of us and a, a, another drummer, we'd go up to uh, Illinois and play gigs up there. Um, with uh with a local artist and you know, we had all stayed in contact and um even though i had moved uh, i guess when uh when riley decided he was gonna hire a utility player i was one of the people on jake's list and you know he he reached out to me just on short notice uh, like hey we're looking to have someone this weekend Are you available mm-hmm. and i was you know in the middle of a week of law school I'm just like, yeah, I'll, uh, you know, get my stuff and put it in the car and drive on down to Nashville and we'll see.
0: Mm-hmm. So tell me about what that grind was like. Uh, I mean, going to school all week, I'm sure you're, you're probably having to listen to lectures on the way back to Nashville. Like, that was probably a pretty crazy time of life, I'm assuming.
1: It was. And it, it led to uh, two years that were pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and like when i when i had moved up to richmond and you know i i wasn't very active in the music industry at the time um and then when i got up there uh i went to a couple shows and i was like you know it's the scene here is pretty cool and i started uh you know playing uh with some friends up there i started teaching a lot um and teaching music is really what got me back into to trying to play it full time, um, and then around, oh, uh, I think I say like, two years into law school, we were right towards the end of the semester, um, and it was also when COVID had really messed everything up. Um, so we were just coming out of the whole lockdown phase, but the university was still allowing uh, remote attendance. So. That was that policy was fortunate um for the situation with Riley because once I played a couple of shows, it was kind of like, all right, see you next weekend. Yeah. And the weekend after that, like, see you next weekend. Um, so I was driving back and forth between Nashville and Richmond, um, thankfully able to attend classes via Zoom. And um it was it was crazy. <laughs> For sure. Um, But luckily it was, it also happened right at the end of the semester. So then I was able to get the second year finished and then have a little bit of a break from school um, doing a very non-traditional summer for a law student. Most people try to go, you know, work at a government agency or work at a law firm. And instead I was touring with a country artist out of Nashville.
0: (laughs) that's awesome now you are the utility musician for riley for those that don't know uh, kind of tell uh, our listeners what that goes into and everything you play
1: sure um so i think utility musician is is just kind of a, a general blanket term for <clears throat> someone who plays multiple instruments during a show um, in country it's common to see a, a steel guitar player who might also play dobro or maybe some banjo or a fiddle player who's doing maybe some keys or mandolin. And, um, th- there are all sorts of different combinations that you'll see, uh, in our show, it's mostly steel guitar for me. Um, but I do a couple songs on mandolin, uh, one on dobro, one on keys. Um, occasionally we get a little banjo, um, during one part of the show, we, we break out a guitar and, uh, do do a little bit with that. Um, and currently I'm trying to learn fiddle, but that's, uh, that's a, a whole, whole nother beast. It's, yeah. it's a tough instrument.
0: <laughs> now I love talking to people that play steel guitar because that's what got me into music. My grandpa played steel guitar my whole time growing up and, uh, Buddy Emmons is from my hometown. Who's some of you, who's some of your people that are like your Mount Rushmore of steel guitarists?
1: Well, I, I think a lot of people would, would probably agree that, that Paul Franklin is, uh, one of the, you know, all-time greats of steel guitar. Um, So many of the parts that I've learned, um, because I started playing steel guitar uh, during my sophomore year at Belmont. Uh, So I was 20 and didn't really know anything about it. couldn't even tune the thing or put it together. Um, I connected with a a mentor in town who taught Mm -hmm. me steel guitar. And he also taught me a lot about the players. And it was so much of it coming back to Paul Franklin, um and just the incredible stuff that he' has been playing on albums for decades. Yeah. Um, his His work is incredible. Um another steel player I really enjoy is uh, J d. Manis, mm-hmm. um Desert Rose band, had a lot of the uh, the West Coast influence on steel. Um, and trying to to learn and transcribe his stuff is is always an adventure. Um, he's a very, very unique player, and uh, I just every every time I I sit down and learn some of his parts, I I take a lot away from it. There's a lot to learn from this playing.
0: You can't beat Tommy White for me. Uh, I have vivid memories of listening to vinyl of his, and I mean, still seen him play on the Opry too. I mean, he's still shredding. He has a sense since he's a teen too. It's crazy.
1: Yes, he's <laughs> he's is, he is an amazing player, uh, and I've. I saw, I think, that he played with the the time jumpers recently, and I was disappointed that I didn't get to see that. I'll <laughs> be, be checking back to see if he's ever with them again. I'll, I'll definitely go see that. He's he's a great player.
0: For sure. So what's life been like uh, kind of starting out uh, back on the road for this summer? I saw you guys were at Stagecoach last weekend. Uh you excited to be back on the road this summer?
1: Definitely, yes. And I, I just moved back to Nashville uh, about three weeks ago. Wow. So it's I'd been commuting for two years, uh flying into Nashville, flying back to Richmond, doing all of that. And you know, it, it is great to be back and be here. And you know, we've been doing these uh these stadium shows with Luke Combs that have been incredible. Yeah. Um, his camp is awesome. Um, I mean, everything about it is is just a great experience. And um, you know, stagecoach was great too. And it's just always, you know, the summer is a, a fun time to to get out and play shows, there's always a, a good uh, a good mix of of the types of shows we do. Whether it's you know the club stuff or the the opening spots in these stadiums,
0: for sure. Now, as a utility musician, has there ever been a time where like uh, someone texts you before a gig and is like, "I need this instrument," and like you might not know how to play it yet, but like uh, you figure it out like maybe a day in advance or something.
1: Definitely. So th- there's actually, I think, for a lot of the instruments that I play there's a story kind of like that <laughs> with the, uh, with the Dobro specifically, I'd never played a Dobro. I didn't have one, um, anything like that, but I had been hired to play this like one-off gig on steel guitar with an artist. I think we were going to go up to, to Illinois mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be a full band thing. And then the manager texted me and you know like a week before and he was like hey uh by the way this has um, been changed to acoustic uh but you know no problem just bring your dobro and and we'll we'll just do that <laughs> and I was like okay yeah I'll, I'll I'll bring my dobro and uh then I went out and bought a dobro um because <laughs> you know it was it, it's a reasonable transfer yeah and I think that's with the the kind of the balance point of whether or not you say like yeah I can do that or just like no I I don't think I'm the guy Uh, when it comes to utility stuff it's whether or not your pre-existing skills can transfer pretty well because I mean like if you're a guitar player and someone asks if you can play a a simple banjo part yeah probably right Uh, if someone asked me if I could you know come out and play a trombone solo or something like that that would I would definitely pass
0: (laughs) I don't think musicians Um, need much convincing to buy another instrument
1: (laughs) that that too you know uh, at the time I was living right around the corner from uh, the old corner music location Uh I was like all right great excuse to go in there and and see what they have and uh, found a pretty good dobro and picked it up and played it ever since
0: that's awesome Now, I like to close my interviews by asking, what's a piece of advice you've learned along your journey that you'd give to the aspiring musicians out there?
1: Sure. Um, For me, one of the biggest things is just like, you have to leave your hometown, and you got to go where the music is. And, you know, it sounds like cliche and cheesy, but you have to... uh, you have to believe that you can actually do it, and then you got to go and make it happen. Um, and the first part of that is just going to whether it's L.A. or Nashville or or somewhere else. Um, and once you're there, you have to find what makes you unique, uh, what your marketable skill set is. You know, for me, that was playing steel guitar. Yeah. I first came to Nashville, and I really couldn't find any work. Um, on guitar. It was just kind of an oversaturated uh, market. There were thousands of incredible guitar players, uh, but not a lot of people playing steel. Mm -hmm. I started doing steel and, you know, instantly, um, even when I was, you know, just a couple months into the instrument and really wasn't good at it, (laughs) um, it, I was able to get uh, some work right away. So for me, you know, what made my me marketable um unique playing the steel guitar and then from there the utility stuff just kind of fell into it um and a big part of this too that i recommend to everyone is just to find a mentor um there there are a lot of people here who can be extremely helpful to new musicians and they want to help uh, i was fortunate that i had um three really great mentors here in Nashville, um, a steel player and two guitar players. Um they you know not only helped me learn what I needed to know to be a musician here um, but also developed my skills and introduced me to people um between those three individuals they they connected me to to so many um different people and artists in town. Um, and lastly I would just say be open to new experiences. Um, you know, whether it's uh, a different genre that, you know, you're going a little bit outside of your comfort zone, or like we talked about earlier, the uh, um, different instruments, you know, if you're a guitar player, and uh, someone calls you about a utility guitar mandolin gig, before you say no, really think about if, if you can do it. Um, If it's not some, you know, crazy bluegrass mandolin shredding, then there's probably a good chance that you can. Um, so that would be uh, you know, my, my main advice to musicians.
0: Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Tim Renkin. Tim, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had a great time talking with you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram, at Tim Rentkin. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram, at Starting Small Music, And let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.